0: And welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Gaby Baby, directed by Maya Newell and released in 2015. The plot uh, goes something like this. Gaby Baby is a documentary focusing on the stories of four Australian kids, Ebony, Gus, Matt and Graham, who have gay parents. As they each wrestle with the challenges of growing up, the outside world wrestles with marriage equality and the supposed risk of gay and lesbian parenting. Um, Now, for this movie (laughs) this week, uh, firstly, I just want to give a bit of background about this one to our listeners who are not from Australia. And This movie uh, kind of caused a bit of a stir last week when a particular state government learned that this was being shown in a public school and decided that that was completely inappropriate, that that was brainwashing the children, (laughs) and that that... Is that what happened? So, what happened was... I thought it was... St- like, it started
1: out in a private school. that's an all-girls school. It's not that, that was it's a public school. So, so wasn't so, it a Catholic school that was an all-girls school that was that so, the director or the producer attended? So, yeah, so
0: the, the story starts starts way back when. Now, our director, who we just mentioned, Maya Newell, is uh, a 27-year-old woman who was raised by lesbian mums. She went to a school, a state school in Sydney called Burlwood Girls High. And because she is now releasing her first film and doing pretty well as a director, she decided, well, the school that she used to go to decided that for... Is it... Uh, wear It believed, Purple. Wear It wear It Purple Day a couple of Fridays ago that they would run a screening of this show and um Old Girl Gone Turned Good, Maya Neal, would come and introduce the film and the girls would watch the film and everybody would go about their day afterwards. Now, um, uh, the state government of... Said school, the New South Wales state government, which has jurisdiction over the school, discovered <laughs> that this film was showing at the school because a disgruntled scripture teacher tipped off some conservative right wing media. So, said conservative right wing conservative right wing media got themselves into an uproar, made a story that suggested that parents from the school were complaining that their daughters were being forced to watch this propaganda. Which it was like voluntary in the first place. Yeah, right? the, the whole event was yeah exactly. It was a it was an anti bullying thing. You could come or you could not come. Anyway, said said columnists made a lot of noise. The the conservative government of, of the state said mm, that does seem a bit inappropriate for school hours, and they decided to ban the film. Which before this time, Katie and I I don't think I'd heard of it. I'd never
2: heard
0: <laughs> and, of it, and uh, nobody else had. But suddenly <laughs> this film had all kinds of attention, and um. As Hermione says, the best way to get everyone to watch something is to ban it. So, that's a little bit of the background for listeners who aren't familiar with this. We're going to do something slightly different with this episode because we saw a screening this week at which the director and producer were in attendance, so we scored ourselves an interview. So, what we're going to do is throw first to a phone interview that we did late last week with the director, Maya Newell, and the producer, Charlotte Mars. And then we will come back and review the film as normal. I, we apologise, by the way, for the audio quality on this. We did the interview on the phone. Hi, Melissa and Katie here. How are you? Good, Hi. Charlotte. Maya. Thank you uh, very much, guys, for sitting down with us for a few minutes. First of all, I suppose we'll just launch into the questions. This is a kind of movie we've never seen before and um, – I think it was. It's quite exciting for a lot of people to see rainbow families represented. I'm interested, Maya, in how you came to be be interested in this subject, and like, and how your background um, influenced this. So, growing up, um, what was your life like, and what's um, so, and what inspired this?
3: Yeah, I mean, I suppose i 27. My moms have been together for you know my whole life. And so kind of like, what was the inspiration for the film? Um, what
2: was it like for me
3: growing up?
0: Yeah, so I just wanted to give our listeners, some of whom are not Australian and weren't um, in the country for all the controversy last week, just a little bit of background about you as a filmmaker. Yeah, so,
3: you know, I think we, uh, when I was younger, we didn't have many representations of um, gay families or of diverse family structures sort of represented in either in the media or in education, um, or just more generally in the world around and I think that for everyone yeah, it's really important to have our family system, you know, reflected in the world around us, there's a certain level of validation which is achieved from that I happened to actually grow up in a school in the inner west of Sydney which was really well, was gay friendly and a bit like a, a gay haven in a way <laughs> I remember that I had three or four teachers who were openly gay and um, in some ways I was probably more likely to sort of brag about having lesbian mums than I was to feel ashamed about it Um, and I think that that was just the culture at that school and I happened to be incredibly lucky. Unfortunately, you know, not every family can in a position to sort of send their kids to school that, you know, have that environment. Um, and definitely, you know, I've got friends who are in their 30s who grew up in, you know, Western Sydney who, you know, spent 18 years lying to their community and, and saying that they had a mum and an auntie or things like that.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's one of the good things I think you really capture in this film is that there's a few different types of families. There's, you know, one who who lives in a fairly friendly inner city sort of environment, others out west, another family who's on a posting to Fiji, very different environments so would you mind telling us a little bit about how you picked these four kids whose stories you've told?
2: Yeah sure um so Charlotte I um we basically sort of started this process of casting and research all at the same time we put out the call through our kind of immediate networks and then also just really called up all of the LGBTIQ organisations, anyone who was sort of somewhere on that rainbow, we were contacting them about five years ago now and saying, we have this idea, we we want to speak to families, we want to speak to kids. And I think when you put something like that out there, you're never really sure how people are going to respond, but the gay community uh, is so good at networking and of standing up, For a cause, and we had such an overwhelming response, and we actually interviewed probably between thirty and forty families at that beginning point. And then it was a process of you know seeing who was on board with the kind of film that we were trying to make, and who was engaged with the process, because you know quite an invasive (laughs) thing to be followed around with a camera for years. So it's sort of a process of that, and then of course. A little bit of a puzzle as you try and find stories that are going to fit together and form a whole. And these, I think once you've seen the film, for anyone who's seen it, it becomes very apparent that these four kids' stories are all very different, but they also fit together and they all represent a really different topic of discussion that is sort of around these families. And they all sort of speak to that. On a thematic level, as well as being really dramatically interesting, and and as each child and each family is incredibly um, kind of charismatic, I think. And um, yeah, that's sort of how we did it. But to be honest, it was a hard process because we met such amazing kids and amazing families. And you know, as with documentary filmmaking, you you film for a very long time, and then someone says, "Now you need to turn that 100 hours of footage into 90 minutes." <laughs> and you have to make some really difficult choices. So, yeah. yeah, it's always difficult. Definitely.
0: I did notice, and I don't know if anyone else picked up on this, all the kids you picked are tweens. Like, they're all between about 11 and 13. Was there a particular reason you went for that age group or is it but that was organically how it happened?
2: Um, we didn't set out with that particularly in mind, but what through the process of interviewing, I think it became apparent that there was are really, that that's a really interesting time in a young person's life. Um, It's, you know, it's the first time you sort of start to see your parents, I think, outside of their roles as your parents. And you're on the cusp of being, you're not quite a kid, but you're not quite an adult yet either. And for these kids, I think it's also the moment when you start to see the mechanisms of the outside world. And for these families, what that means is potentially some hostility from the outside world, and that was interesting to us. We didn't particularly want to go much younger than that because I think, you know, we take duty of care really seriously and we wanted the kids involved to really understand what they were, you know, participating in. And so that's kind of how it naturally evolved, to be honest.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, there was kind of a focus in the movie on the, uh, the internal kind of individual stories rather than um, pressure from outside or bullying or anything like that. Was that something that uh, was um, particularly apparent in these kids' lives or was it just that their kind of stories, um, you thought the internal stories more more interesting?
2: You know, I think that probably most kids who are growing up with same-sex attracted parents feel some sense of external, you know, some sort of external discrimination, it it is the context of the world we live in, Mm -hmm. Um, that difference is usually, you know, they are aware of that. So, you know, all kids are kind of probably facing that on some level, but for us it was really a conscious decision to step away from the the political and to actually find a way of actually just moving beyond that and talking about story and, and the hope being that When you watch this film, you just you forget about the fact that their families might uh, look different to the hetero norm that we're flooded with in the media, and you actually just fall into their story. You know, for a very long time, these families have been talked about and argued about in the marriage equality debate, and we actually just wanted to step away from that and just let these kids take the time to uh, share their stories and, and have that in their own voice.
1: Um, with regards to the people who, you know, just see these as normal families and stop thinking of the politics, there's certainly been a few people around who haven't done that. What is your aim in terms of like getting this film into schools and into educational settings, and uh, how has the reaction to that affected your goals with the movie?
3: Um, so yeah, we we always wanted to make this something which is for for schools, and I think that. in the end the story that was created is about sort of growing up more than anything and so the universality of that theme means that you know it's really um, a totally approachable and appropriate subject matter to talk you know for the curriculum Mm -hmm. so yeah we're currently developing PDHP curriculum resources for years 5 to 10 which will be available at the beginning of next year if not sooner and yeah I mean the, the film kind of links in with a number of I suppose curriculum links in in the sense that um, there's large parts about identity and about um, change in terms of growing up and transitioning um, into adulthood as well as inclusivity and diversity within the curriculum. So the film kind of hits so many um, different targets. Mm. I think
2: with the controversy of the last couple of weeks, I mean, of course, it's sort of quite disappointing that, Decisions have been made about the film's suitability um, with by people who haven't actually seen the film. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't send a great message to kids growing up in these families, and there are thousands of them. You know, mm. uh, I suspect that the last couple of weeks have been a little bit difficult for those kids. Um, you know, basically, you know, being told by our leaders in New South Wales that their families are sort of not appropriate for school time but I think for us it's really now about getting those people to see the film and see maybe that that was a decision made in haste and and that actually there there is a place for this and for diverse stories in our school. Um, The film is is such an open film that really attempts to look at what unites us all and look at those really universal experiences of growing up and of parenting and of family much more than it seeks to kind of identify difference or, or, you know, like in some ways people are talk, trying to talk about these families and what is normal about them, but, um, you know, the normalness is about imperfection and so this film seeks to kind of be, seeks to, you know, identify what is not better or worse or anything between different families and just what is sort of universally difficult about growing up as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes, you know, sometimes it's hard. And I think that that's a much more kind of uh, bold but also helpful conversation to be having when we're talking about diversity.
1: Um, Just one last thing on that point. Uh, Has there been a time at which you were tempted to make a cut of the film that uh, had less of the kind of political angle, uh, less of the Julia Gillard type thing or something like that, that would be acceptable in schools, or was it always just that this was the film that you've made and this is the one that you want to show people?
3: Um, I actually think that this cut of the film is not really political. It's only political in the sense that these children have same-sex families and Mm. we're having a national conversation about whether their parents can marry or not. Um, For these children, you know, and for Matt even going and visiting the Prime Minister that's his experience, that's what he's doing at this point in his life. So, and as he says in the film, like sometimes kids have better ideas than adults and I think sometimes it takes that um, innocence or that simple morality of a child to kind of show us, you know, the simple black and white of what's right and wrong and equality and just. So, you know, there wasn't really another cut that was more political or less political it was Mm -hmm. always just what these kids four kids had to say and what they were experiencing at this point in their life and most of the stories I'd say that you know the sexuality of their parents is is the least of their worries or is really not really the centre point
0: of the story if we get to the crux of it yeah Okay, I have a slightly more uh, esoteric question now. Last night at the screening, Maya talked about her talent for being invisible, and um, we definitely see quite a few difficult moments in each family. You've got the camera there for some conversations that are really quite hard. How did you manage to get that invisibility and uh, also do you think things might have changed if people, if you weren't in the room with them or how do you think that went?
3: Um, well, I think that there's a larger conversation here about documentary yeah. filmmaking and, and you know, whether you can capture a real true moment when you have a camera in the room with someone. And my personal opinion on that is that, you know, we, we'll never know because, the, you know, the moment captured is the truth of these people living out their lives with me in the room mm-hmm. and potentially, you know, change that. Um, but I think what's, you know, there's not really any sort of trick to it. It's just yeah. building relationships and trust and spending time with people. And as Ebony, I think, mentioned in the Q&A, at a certain point, you just sort of forget that there's someone filming your life and because, you know, you've just sort of ingrained yourself within the family. And, you know, I don't know if, I think that possibly the level of trust that we gained with the families was also because of the approach that we took in terms of consent um, and our transparency around the process. And so all of the families were really involved in the filmmaking and the story behind it, and so they were able to watch edits of the film really early on in in the cut and also um, as they grew older, all of the kids were sort of in you know, informed about what it meant to be a part of the film, what it meant to be represented. Um, they had a choice in how they wanted to be represented, and we changed the edit depending on what their opinion wa- was of the, of the cut. And in that sense, you know, you know it wasn't like we are sort of exploiting their lives. It was a process in which we all made mm-hmm. something that we were proud
2: of. Yeah.
1: Um, I do have one burning question that's just for me before we go. Um, did Gus actually take up debating? <laughs> Gus
2: did not take up debating, and everyone's always a little devastated to hear <laughs> that he, uh, he is no longer obsessed with wrestling. We, but, he, but he is doing Aikido, which is hmm. quite cool. And uh, We
3: think he's he'd very,
0: make very an excellent debater.
3: Yeah. yeah. He actually um, got an A-plus for his public speaking assignment the other
2: day on marriage equality. That's fantastic. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, I think they're all, like, all of these four kids in the film, they're pretty remarkable, and Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, the film belongs to them, and it's such a great example of young people's um, resilience, and I think, you know, at a few of the screenings that we've been at, you know, there's been comments of saying that, well, you know, In some ways we think we can see future leaders of our country and they have this very particular and well-developed sense of difference which is unique and wonderful and worth celebrating and that's perhaps something that's a lesser-known trait of these kids but something that we've found uh, to be really quite wonderful and remarkable. And I think that you see that in the film, for those of you who've seen it.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us, guys.
2: No worries. Bye.
1: Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.
0: Have a good day. Okay, so we really appreciate um, Maya and Charlotte giving us our time, their time to do that interview. There, it was. Um, they've obviously had a big couple of weeks, so um, we're really <laughs> grateful that we actually got the the time we did get with them. So now we're going to move into actually reviewing Gaby Baby. Uh huh. Um. So
1: Gaby Baby. Um. We saw a movie a couple of years ago that was called I Am a Girl, mm. and. Like Another director
0: the- interview, by
1: the way. Yeah, the <laughs> other one where we got a director interview. This mo- KB Baby reminded me so much of I Am A Girl. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. They, they both look really good. They're both very much from the the subject's perspective. So this whole movie is from the kid's perspective and nobody else is interviewed. Um it's all um kind of fly on the wall style documentary where the filmmaker was you know in the room for a long time with the subjects until they sort of started to get comfortable and live their lives around her it's it just really a lot of similarities there and also even just the way it was shot like with like some tense close t- tight close ups and some the further away and mm.
0: like yeah we you know that chance. that kind of like drifty quality. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to ask what equipment they were using, but I think I get the idea that it was probably shot the same way. like on I think um, I'm a girl shot in like a Canon 5D and on GoPros and things like that, so I get the idea they used those little handheld cameras and they got right in around people and up close mm. quite well like that.
1: Yeah, so I, they, just, they just really kind of seem very similar and that seems to be a, a kind of trend in documentary filmmaking at the moment mm. um, to have stuff like that. Um, And that meant that both of them were quite good and effective. But um, both had the same kind of aim as well, which yeah. was to let the subjects tell their own story. Yeah. And they also kind of chose people who were thematically interesting. So, uh, as you heard in that interview, they chose these four kids because they had themes that they wanted to explore, like Matt's um, religious kind of struggle and Gus struggling with his masculinity, which is not what I got from the movie. <laughs>
0: Like, once people told me about it, I was like, oh, oh right, okay. that I makes absolutely- sense. See, I didn't, it just didn't occur yeah, to me. Yeah, that one was, I thought that was really interesting because I, afterwards I thought about it more, but even at the time, I, I was like, he's sort of the obsessive interest in wrestling and all that kind of stuff about learning to be a man. I thought that was really interesting. But then also, I think, um, and we'll probably just get into this a bit further later on. I think as a political decision, there's a lot of, when people think about gay parenting, they often think about, like boys being raised by lesbians, not having adequate male role models. Mm. Old white men get really up in arms about that, and I think as a political decision, because to that's show obviously that story, the most
1: important thing—not that they have good parents, or not that girls have mothers to talk to but it's, it's always <laughs> about it is, yeah, it's it is always though. About, it's about
0: boys having male role models, yeah,
1: and you're like, yeah. And and I think it's a panic that's been happening for a long time because there's so many boys who mm. grow up with just a mother. Yeah, well, um, exactly. Gus seems to cope quite well
0: with having plenty of masculinity without Gu- – Yeah, Gus is doing great and his mums are doing great as well, having the difficult conversations about, you know, what the wrestlers mean and what they say and whether that's good or bad. Yeah. Asking questions. I think that's – um, and, and,
1: I mean, you can probably tell already from us talking about it, but there were standout kind of – star kids yeah. and kids who kind of faded into the background a little more but for me when I was watching it I kept wanting to know what what Graham was up to like because mm. his story I, I don't I have some theories as to why but his story was for me the most touching and the most yeah. kind of affecting and also the most complicated in a lot of ways yeah so and so I was really yeah. really interested in his storyline
0: yeah I think so too um, because I don't think many of our listeners will have actually seen this I'm going to go through as though they haven't and yeah. give a bit of plot um with Graham, he has two dads and an older brother, and one of his dads gets posted to Fiji, so the whole family moves. And um, first meeting with them is a lot of talk about whether or not that that not that the dads don't really want to make the relationship public because they don't really know how people in Fiji will react because it's quite conservative. That's but what not the we first find thing. out after they've moved is that it seems the Graham has come up through the foster system where he was. It's it the other way
1: around. We, we find, find out, out that the- Graham couldn't read till he was five before the parents tell us that. Before we find out that the parents don't want to talk about their relationship in right, Fiji, okay? Because um, it was one of the like. I mean, one of the first things I noticed instantly, like just listening to him, was that he had trouble with yeah.
0: So I thought English exactly the same, language, was that- and I thought he said- might be
1: disabled when I first yeah.
0: Well, because I saw it. They said all it says is Graham, age twelve. Yeah. And he wasn't reading properly, and I thought no. that he should be reading by now, shouldn't he? And that was all I thought of it. And then, then they go into the moving, and then they.
1: Talk. But then, while they're in the moving, they talk about we how start to he hear about yeah. how, yeah,
0: he in his original family, he'd been through some experience that meant that by the time when he was five, he wasn't speaking, and so he's obviously had some awful background. And it seems like his mm. dads have fostered him and his brother, and eventually adopted them. And then, of course, on top of this, they're being posted to Fiji. And I'm really curious about the brother as well because he doesn't really um, it's
1: all it's really focused heavily on the the sort of
2: tween kid kid.
1: so the the kids are all like preteen kind of age and and the film is really tightly focused on them and and a lot of them all of them have siblings yeah and we don't really hear as much from the siblings just from the the central kind of Mm -hmm. child and and the older kid is graham's biological brother Yes, so I'm curious about what kind of experiences he would have had as well, because mm. you know he's growing up. He grew up in the same yeah. household as Graham, and Graham didn't speak, but he seems not to have yeah. the same issues. So it's interesting. Well, that was the stre- most like kind of
0: that storyline, though. That was the most kind of out there. The other three, like lesbian mums living in Sydney, it was all very, it was all very too Australianized, quite ordinary upbringings like they there it was all I think kind maybe of Ebony's not so much.
1: Just because her parents are very alternative looking to start with. Well th- um but also that. because her family she's she had two siblings at the time of filming. Um we have discovered since they were at the screening that she now has three siblings because there's a tiny, tiny baby in the family now. And and it was kind of interesting that and they didn't have a lot of money and, yeah. and it was about Ebony kind of trying to achieve her dream of getting into this private art, performing arts It's, it's a school. public school
0: but it's a performing arts school. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I get
1: it all mixed up. Yeah. So she so, wanted so to get yeah, into this. In Australia, we've yeah. got
0: like some specialised public schools that you can get into.
1: So anyway, she wanted to get into that school um, and she's audition. She's preparing this audition piece and uh, and they want to try and get her into, she wants to get into the school but her younger brother is constantly having seizures so that's always interrupting it. Mm. But I feel like hers is a little bit more alternative kind of family as well.
0: In their own way, the stories are diverse. Like the lesbian mum who's deeply Christian but at the mm. same time campaigning for marriage equality uh, um, while going to a church that is very much in the old school mould of being gays as sin. I mean, that's a fascinating story. But the story, Graham's family, that is, that's is—that's a genuinely more interesting story from a diversity perspective for me, Well, it's, me, it's I also
1: think. a kind of – I mean, that's a real big – change in his life and being uprooted and he's also behind in school and then he moves to the school that's, I don't think, equipped to deal with the mm. the issues that he's got going on. So, I mean, I think, you know, clearly from a teacher perspective, that's probably what, one of the reasons why I found it mm. so interesting. But I think also because there's one parent in that family who you see a lot of, yeah. who is just like the most incredible, sweet, caring like person and every time I wish that they were Dr. together Me. I know he's and that's just every time that they were together it was just really really kind of magical and lovely and, mm. and they had some really lovely scenes together of writing this speech that he was going to give in class about himself and and he was so so kind of dedicated to getting mm. it done and it was just lovely really sweet I liked that storyline yeah in spite of the fact that Gus clearly seals the show like yeah every time I mean he's just he this is this very, very quick-witted, very funny, um, very smart kid who is also constantly pushing the boundaries of everything. And <laughs> I just watching him, I was like, oh,
0: God, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with him every day because it would be exhausting. Yeah. I mean, I really connected to all of the kids, to be honest. Matt was probably the hardest to connect to because I think Matt is the most conscious of the cameras and his mum's too, Yeah, particularly the South African mum he's his biological mom so they'd come from an interesting situation where his parents were married traditionally and then after they'd split up the mother had repartnered with a woman and so that was another sort of different way of making a family as opposed to the two other lesbian couples where it was more like they had kids through donors um no i don't think so um i'm pretty sure that uh ebony's family
1: adopted because ah. she said when she first came to live with them, oh, okay. she wasn't accepting. So, she clearly came from another yeah. family first. And also, if you look at um, the younger one. They're different um, races. They're different races. So, yeah. yeah I, I should, They seem to all be different because, it. Um, well, maybe uh, the Graham's family and Ebony's family. Have similar. Have kind of similar, except Graham's family adopted two boys from the same family and Ebony's seemed to adopt three kids from different yeah. ones. Well, it also seems and like then... Graham
0: was fostered.
1: Yes. Whereas, um, and Ebony's parents adopted her. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but so it's uh, interesting to yeah. see the difference. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. And I very much attached to the families and the stories and the struggles. And like, there's a bit where she 24 hours out from her audition, the little brother has a seizure and you just, and the car breaks down on the way there. And you're just like, Oh God, you, you really just want this kid to get there. And I'm very much attached to all the kids. Um, yeah, Matt, I thought was a bit self-conscious of the camera. There are a couple of conversations Matt has with his mother and they're big, serious conversations about faith and stuff. But I, I got the idea that they'd had the conversation before and were doing it again for the camera. That was what I felt. I don't know if it was that or if they well, were – They just self-conscious. They were self-conscious. There is definitely a
1: and, – and Matt, especially, like, well, when he was with the priest as well, that was such an awkward conversation, and mm. Matt did not seem to want to be and the there. The priest,
0: the pastor, was really self conscious yeah. too. Matt's mum seems very like she's obviously very politically savvy and very media savvy. So I think I think that's a different was a different. Now I know in their interview and in all the press I've been hearing about it, they talk about being flies on the wall and they didn't, you know, they made themselves really invisible and all that kind of stuff. But I, I definitely notice their presence with that family in particular mm-hmm.
1: yeah and but the thing with them is that i think as that as time went on or as the story went on it it got less self-conscious and that sort of thing yeah. i swear like there was half an hour of this movie that's just boys fixing their hair but <laughs> yeah <Adorable. laughs> he does all that kind of it, it becomes more natural as it goes on I think the and boys and also Matt had those eyes,
0: man. Every time his, he like looked up at the camera, you're just like, okay. Oh yeah, he and his they were very good looking. Very he, good but he and Matt and his mother. Good. I think the boys fixing the hair thing was kind of interesting though, because again, it's going back to that thing that panic about boys being raised by women mm. thing. So it kind of shows both. Neither boy is particularly effeminate in any way, and it shows both ah of them, the lipstick scene. Oh, which I think was entirely misconstrued by the filmmakers and the mother
1: and by the media. Like this this particular moment has been taken, like taken apart by so many different people, and what it looks like to me is Gus is in the in the store with his mum Jamie, so they're in the um the lady section, and he picks up a lipstick tester and he puts it on, and you before before the um. The um woman there even said it. You were like, oh, that's not sanitary. Yeah, because
0: I have worked on those makeup counters and what that woman, this woman comes up and says, can you not do that? And, and then um, she, but then she says, it's not really fair to everyone else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She didn't see him. He was trying on this lipstick, this tester just on his face. Like, we don't know where your mouth has been, kid. Mm. But the whole scene gets interpreted by his mother as she's got issues with him wearing lipstick. But
1: she didn't see her talk to him either. No, he just came over and she. He ran away. Yeah. So, so it it's kind of like I think just. A moment that was misconstrued and then that she makes a perfectly good point about him being allowed to wear makeup if he yeah, wants to and which that's is, fine. Is fine but i just yeah i agree that it was all kind of taken i think it was wrong kind way. of misconstrued and then that's a scene that the photo from that has been like all over the papers and stuff mm. as one of the like representative photos so basically all the representative photos of this from this film have been of gus um because gus is also on the poster mm. striking a pose so um
0: yeah and that kind yeah. of was like oh look they really are yeah look how these women are ruining this boy by letting him wear lipstick yeah and, um and that was completely wrong
1: yeah exactly and that and directions. that was and also the, that's like nobody prompted him to do it he was just sort of like oh i wonder what this looks like you know and it wa and boys and girls all do that yeah. a lot all the time i mean boys also try on mum's high heels and mm. girls will you know stomp around in dad's boots like it's a just a normal kid thing to right, do. Right, to play um, with things. And especially when and you're it's bored and your mum is shopping moment, for underwear. And it's really interesting because it's one moment in this storyline that is very much like he is such a kind of masculine kid in a lot of mm. ways, but then he's also like really, you know, he helps out a lot with his sister and stuff mm. like that. And, and so it's really interesting to see basically he's just a kid who is no more like in one gender role than any other kid. Mm. And how, like, society is just imposing all their views, including mum. Yeah. are just all imposing their views on him about gender and stuff when he's kind of
0: – and it's different to how he's working it out himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also – They do a good job and, and they said in the interview, of course, they're trying not to be political. And, like, obviously this is extremely political. Now, I think – I think that's right, because I will, the
1: lives of minorities are inherently yeah. political. Like there's no kind of way of just living a, a non-political life as a minority because of how everybody is going to continually view you and what the media says about you and what... Um, what the, the laws around the you are saying and stuff. It's just the way that our society is, is that if you are a minority, your life is inherently political mm. and you can't live a life that isn't and you can't make a film about minorities that isn't in some way political. I Am A Girl is in some way political. Yeah. Like, it's just not possible. No. Because not only do they just, are their lives inherently political, but these kids have political views at their age. Of course, And yeah. these are views that, like, they are developing... From the world around them and from their own beliefs and their own interests, but I mean, the same-sex marriage debate is part of Matt's life. Mm. Like, regardless of whether or not his mum is campaigning for it, it's
0: going to be a part of a lot of the other kids' lives as well. Because well, part part of Graham's life. Because if his I mean, exactly, if his dads were married, I mean, e- even if it is a more conservative society, they are far more likely to just say, you know, they do things differently in Australia and accept it. And and um, Ebony is interesting too because. She has this strongly held belief, which I think she got from her mum, one of her mums, that it's going to be better for her to go to school in Newtown in the inner west of Sydney than it is to go to Northmead, which is her local school out near Parramatta, because people out west are less likely to know other kids with gay and lesbian parents and they'll be more accepting. And there's no evidence for that. She's just been told that and perhaps she knows from living in Parramatta that people out West aren't as accepting or she's, they've had more trouble. But we don't actually see them have trouble with that. She just says it. That is an interesting point
1: and that's the thing that I was thinking about as well and I asked about it in the interview. Um, that mm. It is very much – there's not a lot of focus on what other people think of them, which I think no. is an interesting choice because if you are going for the kind of – I mean, it really depends on what angle you're going for with the movie, but it definitely seems like they're not going for an angle of – like, people are unnecessarily bullying them and things mm. like that. They, there's a couple of lines. Matt says at one point, they can't all bully me, Mum. The whole school can't bully me. And then he says, it can only be, well, hopefully none of them, which was just the cutest thing. Mm. Oh, my goodness. But anyway. Um, but we never actually see
0: him getting bullied at
1: school. And we never see uh, – well, I don't know if the cameras were allowed at school, but we don't
0: see any repercussions mm. Actually, that's interesting. We bullying. only see the cameras in the Fijian school.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, we um, just see
0: them right. – I'm pretty sure you you're not allowed to film. You'd, kids have to con- all, you'd have to get all consent from all the kids from every kid and, that you film. Yeah, as we as they you mentioned in the interview, and again, this is something that um, Rebecca that. Barry was talking about when we did "I'm a Girl," which is that the consent process for a documentary, particularly when you're dealing with young people, is intense, and you've got to be very careful.
1: That Fijian teacher cracked me up. I, she I loved her. She, I was, she, she was trying to, and and I do appreciate that. That I mean, watching her, I was really appreciative of the difficulties that she was facing and how how hard she tried to Mm -hmm. help the kids and I, I think that's really important because you'd see a lot of teachers get demonized for the style of teaching that is going on in their classroom and in their country and in their culture and what you see with her is that she really is somebody who like when she finds out that the kid has two dads she is kind of taken aback but she doesn't push it she doesn't like she doesn't just say says, anything offensive. yeah she's just like okay and even, how even though it's very clear to to us watching it that mm. like that's something she's that she's surprised by yeah and she's surprised by graham's past but she's so kind of thoughtful in how she presents her ideas mm. and she thinks before she says anything and she doesn't let that affect how she's going to treat graham mm. which i thought was really wonderful and really mm. nice
0: to see. And then she offers to tutor him because she is a single lady. <laughs> <She's crying laughs> yeah, I was wondering if she says she says that t- in such a way I was wondering if that was a euphemism and she was me in too. fact gay yeah. herself. Um, but I don't. That's never explored. Yeah, but I, I just did
1: really appreciate the way that she was shown in the movie mm. and the way that the Fijian school, even though it's different, wasn't like demonized or anything. But no. at the same time you could tell they weren't really in a position to deal with Graham's particular needs and yeah. maybe they just don't have enough education about it to be able to kind of mm. deal with it, which is really interesting. I just, I found that whole storyline really interesting mm. and yeah. just watching him because I could see all the kind of struggles that were going on on his face and he can't articulate them. Yeah. That's really
0: kind of, it, it reminded me a lot of my students that yeah. made me interested. Yeah. So. And, and that was what was good about him is that it particularly, um, the other three were much more self-aware. Mm. Even when they did get really comfortable around the cameras and all that,
1: you know, it, and and then you get to like you watch some of that and that's pretty heavy. Then they cut to Gus being funny and it, mm. and that, that there's this conversation he has with his mum about doing debating that had like the whole cinema in stitches by the end of it. Um, and it's he's he's wonderful. He's just this really kind of he could easily make a whole movie about him and it would just be really interesting. Yes, I can um, see him.
0: His Burgeoning acting career taking off. Yeah. Well apparently
1: he and Ebony both act and, and they were in a movie together. Yeah. So. so I mean, in terms of reviewing this movie though, um I have to be honest. I didn't <laughs> I, I I didn't remember I'd seen it. Today when we were, when you were like, you know, we're gonna talk about Gaby baby, it took me a second to remember that I'd seen it. I think with what they were trying to do with it, it's so gentle that there's no kind of power behind it. You know, and I'm a girl. It, it was different. It it had all this power behind it, and Gaby Baby just doesn't have a lot of power behind it because they were trying to steer it away from being political. Yeah, I they think. they wanted to. They were trying really really hard it's to just, make it, it slice plays of it life way too safe. Yeah, and I, agree. I think that because of that, it doesn't have the impact that it should have. Mm. I think it might be really good to show young people this who have.
0: What, I was th- yeah. When they talk about, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you That's there. Okay. But when, yeah, when they talk about how they've got a program of getting into schools and showing it to young as a film for young people, I think it works really well, and it's got a good narrative and it moves along fine. And I was never bored when
1: I was watching it. Mm. I just didn't remember watching it.
0: Yeah, I, I I remembered it. Some of the the kids sort of stuck with me a bit, but it just and I like when I think about the kids, I'm like, oh yeah, I
1: really liked the kids, but yeah. I have to think
0: about it first. Yeah, my feelings were that. This is an emerging filmmaker. She's just starting out, really. She's definitely got potential as a filmmaker, and I think it's it's interesting. But I I could also I could see the seams. I could it's see funny. where I could see where things were happening and what they were trying to do.
1: I had no idea she grew up with same sex parents watching this movie because it
0: so didn't have an angle. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it was interesting also when we interviewed her and asked her about what was like growing up with same-sex parents. This is a girl who is not only grew up with same-sex parents, grew up Asian in Australia in the 90s, which is, which is in, its, in and, and of itself is not an easy experience. She said, oh, no, I, we lived in the inner west of Sydney, so actually, you know, there were lots of rainbow families that people were very accepting and I didn't have a hard time of it, which was, in, I just think, an interesting comment. I think... Though also with the interview and all the other stuff, this is these are two young filmmakers who are very new, who are under a lot of pressure, who've gone viral in a way they didn't expect to. It's interesting though, because
1: especially Charlotte Mars is so outspoken outside of the movie mm. that the movie isn't more outspoken, and mm. that the movie hasn't got more to say.
0: Yeah, it's funny, and, and it's
1: something that I just it, it it just felt kind of like weak. I think just in trying to do what they were trying to do, mm. they shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Mm. Um, they were trying to not make it political, and that made it toothless, and and mm. that made it not as impactful. And it feels like that even their own the kids' stories they they didn't want to make it too well, they, dark or, they or cut, go somewhere mm, too dark. They cut what I think is the most interesting part of Matt's story. It's that kind. It's that kind of thing where it's like there's nothing. They never let it go. Really. Sad mm. or really hard, yeah, you know, and 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 that is what I think is letting the film down a little bit because you just mm. don't get as you, you can't get into it as much, yeah. It's kind of in spite of the access, kind of a surface level, dreamy, yeah, quality. But it, I do think it would be really great for young people, especially young people who are in same sex families because it's very kind of or uh, people who know people, kids who are in, yeah. kids who know kids who are in same sex. Parent families because it is very like look they're they're just, just like, like us you. yeah you know their little brother has epilepsy or <laughs> or you know they have religious you know conflicts and they have obsessions and they have yeah. Star Wars toys and they have mm. like
0: little sisters who beat them up sometimes
1: or try to get them Rory and they have- Gus's
0: little sister was my favourite side character <laughs> well then yeah both of them are just really really funny I know you've got those kids. poor women raising those two Oof. well they they do they do such a good job and
1: I think raising those two like part of it is the parenting because the parenting is so open and mm. like, you know, I, yeah. they have these talks that are really hard so the kids feel like they
0: can make their own ideas about things mm. and stuff, which is really great. Um, yeah, well, it's it, exactly. It's really relatable See, but also shows some scenes. really good examples of good parenting as well as well as well as showing like parents up for being human and flawed at the yes. same time.
1: And one of the best scenes is a really hard scene where – they talk to Gus and Rory about not wrestling anymore mm. and one mum says, no, we're not going to do it at all and then they decide they are going to do it but they have to have rules and the kids come up with the rules. That whole sequence was fantastic. Oh, the bit where – But um, it was also tough because Gus is is mean in that scene and Yeah, he's, he's angry.
0: And at, he, well, And also –
1: He's yelling at people and, and m- that is
0: mum, so good. One of the mums faces the exact dilemma that every two-parent family faces where the other parent doesn't back her up yeah. on the discipline.
1: So that that whole sequence, I think, is one of the best bits of the movie because it is much more. That's the kind of stuff that you want to see with everybody. That mm. that the, the stuff that's hard yeah. and the stuff that and it, there is a scene where when they have to put the little brother into the hospital that's sad, but it isn't like Ebony. We never get to see her really being anything other than really sympathetic. Yeah, and the parent, the mother, talks about her sometimes doing things that may not be. Yeah, and we don't really see it. And then, and that's the same thing with the other kids. You don't, you don't really get to see them do anything that's not like perfect and sympathetic. Apart from and that in one that scene kind of with Gus, book, they're just like you. Kind of, you really like them, and you don't want them to feel ostracized because they're just like you, and their families have issues just like you. And I think, I think another reason why Gus is kind of the standout is because we get to see more shades of him. Mm-hmm. And we get to see more of – and I think his parents are a lot more open about – We see shades of them as well. Yeah, exactly. And the, and there's just more. It, it just goes deeper. Yeah. And that's what I would have liked to see with the rest of the movie as well. Yeah, I think so. In order for it to really be impactful, you've got to have, like, that kind of darkness and that sort of stuff to it as well. Because they talk about these things afterwards. I think this was – You know, the masculinity thing, but also they talk about how Graham's parents aren't out, but they don't really talk about the effect of that on Graham apart from like what's good lies and what's bad lies and him trying to work that out. But it's also really gentle. So when they talked about these things afterwards, the stuff that Maya and Charlotte want us to get out of it, like what they specifically say in their press briefing and all that stuff, that they want us to get out of it, not at all what I got out of the movie. Mm. And I think that's kind of a problem.
0: I think I'm a bit the same. So, um, star rating? Oh, I gave it uh, three and a half stars. Yeah, I I think I probably agree. Three and a half for me as well.
1: Like I did think it was, you know, I enjoyed it and I liked it and it's beautifully shot. I just wanted to point out some of the problems with it. I think this is kind of, I, I, I do see quite a few documentaries maybe coming out in the future along these lines of these two that we've seen, the I Am A Girl Mm. and and Gaby Baby, that are a little bit – as things get more politically acceptable, that do go harder. Mm. And I can see that happening. And maybe Gaby Baby is perfect as an introductory one, but the concept of banning this movie when it's so – I know. (laughs) It so doesn't – it so doesn't have an
0: agenda to the point where it's like – And I think the funniest thing is that, like, I just – I would never have even watched it if it hadn't got banned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that. That's just so that's funny. That's the
1: irony of it. But at the same time, like the concept, like if any of the people who had banned it had bothered to sit down and watch it, they would have been mm. like, wow, this is the least offensive, like yeah. most inoffensive movie. It just is so easygoing.
0: Yeah, I know. It's funny. And the very people who probably should see it probably won't. won't. Yeah, this is
1: the issue all the time.
0: Yeah, so um, part of the sort of ironic bonus of – the publicity it's gotten. It's now on limited release around Australia. We've got it here in Canberra. It's it's in a few other capital cities, I think, through Palace Cinemas in Canberra and Brisbane. It's through Dendi in Sydney, um Nova in Melbourne, I think. Some of the the smaller independent cinemas are screening it. Um I don't know for listeners overseas, you might have to wait for VOD or whatever else. They do have a website, the Gabyproject dot com, which has a lot of stuff on there about the families and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to achieve. And if uh,
1: and they also have some updates about the kids if you're interested. I think what we're going to end up getting is uh, in the future more and more people will come back and hear this because that's basically what's happened with I Am A Girl as well. Exactly. Because so people, as, you as this You guys are going to be around. listening
0: to this in a year from now, I'm guessing. Much like I Am A Girl, it's essentially being self-distributed by the producers and directors. So hello people from the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yes, hello people from the future. And thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find old episodes or read the show notes on this one, you can find them at silverscreenqueens.com. This week in the show notes we'll put some of the links to some of the media and what has gone on in the last couple of weeks with this film. Um, So they're they're on silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Gaby Baby or of any of the other films we watch, you can do that on her blog, uh, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. You can also find us on social media at screen underscore queens and on Facebook, facebook facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr, Tumblr Tumblr.com/silverscreenqueens com. So thank- um, And we are making our
1: way through the requested reviews from the people who have given us uh, a rating and a review on iTunes. So if you would like your movie to, to be one of those ones, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and we will add it to one of our rate and review specials.
0: See you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.